Hey everyone, I am Lori Ricciadoni. You are listening to A Taste for All Seasons. This is a cooking, cultural, it's an inspirational way for us to explore the world of food with the philosophy of eating with the seasons and why eating this way is so beneficial and oh so delicious. This show is in conjunction with WPVM LP 103.7 FM in Asheville, North Carolina. And A Taste for All Seasons is on my podcast, which you can listen to on Spotify, Apple Podcast, at your convenience. You can get all the platforms on my website, lauriricciadoni.com, where we will continue our journey through food with that philosophy of seasonal eating where I will be posting some delicious autumn recipes. Today, as always, I will share a recipe with you and some inspirational tips in the kitchen that I think you'll find helpful. So, if you are a curious cook and eater, you will want to stick around. Grab a cup of tea or coffee, get cozy, and join me on this scrumptious journey through food. Welcome everyone. I would like to start with a quote from F. Scott Fitzgerald. Life starts all over again when it gets crisp in the fall. My guest today, Roxanne, was sharing the fall harvest on her farm with me, and she inspired me to acquaint you with the making of an authentic sofrito, which is the base for so many recipes like sauces, soups, stews, Pasta vajoli, if you're Italian. Um, the French call it marapois, which essentially is carrots, celery, and onions, which I know is around uh, the Northeast right now. We don't often think about where our food comes from. I like to thank all the farmers and gardeners who are keeping us well fed. This episode, we will be talking to farmer and advocate Roxanne Davis of Onda Farm in Glens Falls, New York. But before I introduce her, let me just tell you a little bit about her. Roxanne's first job was hand painting comic books such as Archie comics, which I personally remember. Not everyone (laughs) can relate to Archie, but I certainly can. She worked in the printing industry until she was 45. She made a very risky jump into the electrical industry for eight years. Five of those years was schooling, which is extraordinary in and of itself. And this time Roxanne and her husband bought property property that she could farm on. Farming and healthy food was always something she was passionate about. In 2015, they bought a small greenhouse and they put it up at their home in Gaines Fort, New York. They grew tomatoes and various veggies in all four seasons. They decided to join the Glens Falls Farmer's Market, which is where I met Roxanne, and they sold the house in Gainsford and had a house built on the property in Cambridge in 2018. And that's when they started farming on a larger scale. Roxanne decided from the start that she would be an organic farmer. She did not want to grow food that was sprayed with chemicals. Hey, Roxanne, welcome. Thank you, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. How about you? How are you doing today? I'm very good today. Good, good. You know, when I was reading your bio, my first thought was that we never really know where life's going to take us. From hand painting comic books to farming, 
Tell us about that. Like, how did that happen? <laughs> well, when I was a child, uh, my mother came from a farming community and we used to go visit my cousins all the time. And I was always envious that they lived on a farm and mm. I lived eight miles away from New York City. So I was, I've always wanted to be a farmer all my life. And it was, uh, I guess it was just a long journey to get here. And yes. while I was a, a electrician, I decided to make a sideways jump and I did it. <laughs> and you, it's funny, the things you can, you can do when you put your mind to it. That's what's beautiful. I think about life. We really never know where it's going to take us. And, um, you know, agriculture is really hard work. I, I think about that a lot because I have a, a relationship with a lot of my farmers. Why do you do it? Because it's clean. When I was an electrician, I, I guess I had a, <laughs> I, I was swamped with dirt, dirty dirt. You know, people would mm. go by sweeping the floors in a construction zone and the dirt would come up and I would just, I started having all kinds of allergy problems and sinus issues and it was just not a very pretty atmosphere there were pipes and wires and just you know just construction debris all the time all over the place and it just I've always wanted to be outside and to be a farmer was the best way to be outside because you could work and make money but at the same time it doesn't feel like work because you're doing what you enjoy Yes. And that's a beautiful thing. I was, um, I'm, I'm doing quotes today for some reason, seems to be where the day's going. George Washington said, agriculture is the most helpful, most useful, and most noble employment of men slash women. I, I included women. And I have to say that most of my farmers that I deal with actually are women. Um, but it seems to me a farmer has a very well-balanced life. You spend your day in nature, and how would you say that spills over into other areas of your life, being in nature all day and doing what you do? I think it gives you a more pleasant personality. <laughs> I think the hustle and bustle of being so close to other people all the time and having to deal with things that you really don't want to deal with. Yeah. To be, I mean, yesterday I, I watched a four point buck and an eight point buck playing in my backyard. I watched my turkeys they, when I let them oh. out in the morning and I was working in uh, the garden, I looked over and there's my turkeys watching wild turkeys walk by. And it was funny. You could kind of tell what they were thinking. They were looking at each other like, <laughs> what, what, you know, because they were brown and they were outside the fence and they were walking by and, and they were looking at each other like, how come we're white and they're brown? And <laughs> that is funny. Hilarious, actually, your turkeys looking at the wild turkeys. And again, you know, I mean, to have that experience has to put a smile on your face, right? Oh, it does. It does. Yeah. Except when they get out <laughs> and I have to chase them around. Oh, <laughs> they're still small enough. Yeah, they can fit through the holes in the fence yet. Okay, that's not good. So you have no. to kind of, of course, um, you know, look at that. Is it is I can't imagine or I what do I know that it's just you on the farm? Do you have a lot of support? I have uh, in the summertime, I have uh, very helpful neighbors. I have and it's all women, which is nice because I think Love I it. just enjoy having other women around. Yeah. You know, yeah. but uh, I have a woman down one end of the road. I have a, a high school girl down the other end of the road. And uh, now I have another woman from market that she lives in town here. 
So she's she's going to help me during the winter season because everybody else went back to school. Has she, <laughs> yeah. Has she worked with you before in the winter season? No, this is her first season, but she's a very nice person. We're around the same age and we seem to get along well. That's really important, right? We have to like who we work with. Well, if I was closer, I mean, I love that I get to, you know, spend part of my time in Lake George. Um, and, you know, obviously that's how I met you at the, at the market, which I'm so grateful for. I would, you know, kind of hop over and be happy to help you. And who knows, maybe I, I will anyway, we'll see. Um, You're more than welcome. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm sure. I'm sure right? you could always use the help. So September... You know, as you said, it's getting more pleasant outside. Autumn is in the air. And I know that there's still so much to harvest in the Northeast. Can you tell us what's um, kind of coming into your, your garden right now? Okay, right now I have, I have a little bit of broccoli. I don't have a lot going mm. on um, because it, most of the stuff that's outside I've harvested with plans of getting cover crops in because that's how I, most of my fertility is cover crops. I have a little bit of cabbage. I have some, a couple of different kinds of winter squash. I have spaghetti squash, which I usually plant things I like because, you know, that's just, it's mine. So of course, <laughs> well, that makes so much right? sense to me. Why would you do it any other way? I have a lot of carrots, a very lot of carrots. I have already harvested most of my potatoes. I have uh, four kinds of potatoes, purple, red, um, white, and then a russet potato. Love I it. have, I've already planted my brassicas in the greenhouse for the winter season. So I can say have that again, you, you, you plant my brassicas. Okay. Have, say, uh, tell, tell us about that. A lot of folks might I, not know what that is. I have three kinds of kale, the lacinato kale. Okay. I have blue curly kale, which everybody likes to make chips from. Yes. And I have purple kale, which is the same as the blue kale, except it's purple. So it has that, uh, I think it's called uh, anthocyanine. I might be pronouncing yeah. it wrong, but it's well, the antioxidant that's in purple vegetables. Done with the lettuces um, right now, Roxanne? This, this coming week will probably be my last week for lettuces. I, I, my husband is putting up a second high tunnel. And when that is up, I think I will do more of the cut and come again salad greens. But for this year, I won't really have much. I'll have some spinach. Okay, love spinach. That. And that does that kind of go through the winter? The spinach? Yes, it, yeah. it all does. And I I don't use any heat in my greenhouse. I just cover wow. it with uh, frost blankets. Okay, and that that gets the job done. It does. I have it a does. farmer here that um, that I work with in the winter, and I'm so grateful, like to be able to actually get greens, I get spinach, and she does lettuces too, um, and kale throughout the whole winter is, I feel so fortunate, it's so amazing. So you're feeding yourself all year long. Do you- And microgreens. And microgreens. I don't know that I've seen, you know, and I'm not, not that I'm at the market all the time up in Lake George, I haven't seen your micro microgreens. Those in the winter as well? Yes. Yes. Uh, right now, I, I don't have any going because I'm using the room that I do the microgreens in to cure my winter squash. I love the winter so squash. 
So I know that farming is all consuming. I speak to a lot of farmers, as I said, do you give yourself time, Roxanne, to make a beautiful meal with all the incredible ingredients that you grow? Is that something that you find really pleasurable or you're laughing I do a little find bit, it pleasurable. Right? Well, it, time is, yeah, there's not much of it. I get it. But uh, when I do have time, it's nice. Like we've had a company come over just to show them the farm. And my husband uh, smoked a couple of chickens and we have a smoker outside. He smoked some chickens and we okay. had Bless everything them. that we, yes, everything that we hearts. had, <laughs> right. <laughs> everything we had was stuff we grew. We had a, you know, a full plate from, you know, salad, the potatoes, the chicken, and the, the we had probably beet greens and Love every, beet everything. Greens. Yep, everything we had though was stuff, and it's 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 uh, it's humbling at the same time. It's it's uh, inspiring, and and there's a lot of thanks. I have a lot of thanks that I'm allowed. I'm, I'm able to do this because everything just it one thing after another was kind of just set down in in place in front of me to make this work. Everything from the sink. Yeah. Wow. I found a four bay stainless steel sink in somebody's yard that I drove by $150 and it looks like brand new and it's in my washroom. And then the walk-in cooler, $500 because somebody else ordered Incredible. it and didn't pick it up. So everything just well, set into place. I'm, I'm just thinking back in our conversation earlier when you said you've always wanted to be a farmer. And I believe that, you know, when we put that out there, that I think the universe says yes to everything, no matter what it is, it might not happen right, right away. You know, I think life has its own timing, but it sounds to me, it just aligned itself with your intention and your commitment and your desire and love to want to farm and everything just supported you in that way. Exactly. That's how I like to look at life. Yep. It, it, it's funny how things work out. It, you have to put the effort into it. Definitely. But once you make that commitment and you do it, it's it's like there's somebody helping you all along the way. I know. I know. I'm just getting butterflies in my stomach because I've experienced <laughs> that to be true. Um, when we are in the flow, when we are in alignment with, you know, what's what's authentic to us, then I think you know, the, the angels, I like to call them come in right. and, and present, you know, uh, a sink or a cool, a big cooler, or, you know, or whatever it is, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, but it's there for you. Um, I mean, I, I clearly you are uh, just reading your bio to an advocate for healthy farming and, and healthy food. And it's my understanding that a teaspoon of healthy soil can contain between 100 million and 1 billion good bacteria. So there's all that good bacteria in the soil. It's like having probiotics in the dirt is kind of how I like to like to look at it because, you know, those microbes um, being organic, as you know, I mean, you, you live this, is about feeding the soil microbes so that they can in turn feed the plants. Can you speak to that just a little bit so folks have an understanding of really, you know, what you do and how you feed your soil and, and, and the why? Okay. Um, it, I like to think of it as the magical strands of the web of life. And I get mm. that from a cartoon called Fern Gully. That's my best example. If you could watch that, you'd understand it right off the bat. I'm, when I'm I saw that, I just, 
I, when I saw that cartoon, I was like, oh boy, that's exactly what I think, this person, I wish I knew them. But uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> the, the soil, the, there's a, um, a fungi that lives in the soil and yeah. it has a symbiotic relationship with the plant and it actually digests the, the nutrients in the soil for the plants and then feeds it to the plants. Isn't that extraordinary? That's the best example or, or definition I could give you. And that's the beauty of nature. I mean, that's the divine wisdom of nature, isn't it? Because, you know, you're, you're, I haven't eaten everything that, that you grow because I'm not there all year. I think I got some eggplants from you. You grow eggplants in those, in the. I, I didn't summer. grow you this didn't year, have, but. Okay. Um, I have an issue with flea beetles. So oh. I try not to grow things like that unless I grow them in the tunnel. Okay, the tunnel. So tell us about the tunnel. What is that for? It's uh, it's the high tunnel. It's it right now. Uh, I have one. I'll have soon to have two, but it's thirty by ninety six. And I um, this is the first year I put bug netting on the sides. So anything that flat tomatoes are okay. Tomatoes don't need to have pollinators to pollinate. They just need yes. wind because they're self pollinating. Um, and then uh, when I grew the cucumbers this year, I got parthenocarpic varieties. So they are also, they do not need to be pollinated. They are self-pollinating. So they are organic. I bought organic seeds, but I don't have to worry about having bees or butterflies in there. And I just, I do that because in the, in the wintertime last year, I lost a lot of crops because I refuse to spray anything. It's a little bit of a kick, but I, um, I, I get some stuff from nature's, uh, good guys. It's beneficial nematodes. Okay. So it's not a chemical. It's a natural yes. nematode that lives yes, in the of soil. Course. Yes. And I know some and, other farmers that use that. Right. So I'll, I'll, I'll put, I'll put that on the dirt to hopefully, hopefully this year, the caterpillars won't get me. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. The, you know, but, uh, yeah. I mean, I know every insect has a purpose, but it's like, can you go somewhere else? Right. Stay outside. <laughs> Stay outside. So I, I also try to plant things when the pests are not at their peak or when they're not coming out of the ground. Like, like I said, the flea beetles, there's certain times of the year when the flea beetles yes. come on. Yeah. And it's usually like early summer when they come on strong. So I'll either try to plant early or later so that I miss them well, you <laughs> or have I'll to plant kinda... the stuff in the tunnel. The tunnel. I love this. The tunnel. It has such a mysterious quality to it, but you know, it's like, we have to, follow the rhythm of nature right not the other way around we have to right. kind of adapt to it not it adapt to us um which it doesn't is, is it necessarily easy to do potatoes you mentioned all those beautiful potatoes so do you do do you have a, a recipe or something that you like to do with all those potatoes that you guys do or a little family potato recipe or just when I have time, I like to make pierogies. Oh, um, of course. I like a little cheese in those pierogies. Of course. Um, and I do like leek and potato soup. I don't have a particular recipe. I usually just look online for something and try it. And I always tell people this because I am a seasonal chef. I only 
cook and eat with the seasons, you don't really have to do too much to ingredients when they're delicious and grown organically and all the vitamins and nutrients and flavor is there, mm -hmm. you know, so you throw a little garlic, a little onions, a little salt, a little pepper, you know, your potatoes, your leeks, and you have soup, maybe some vegetable stock or chicken stock, but, but that's it. You don't have to do that much to ingredients when they're grown the way you grow them. I think my favorite thing to eat in, in season is romaine lettuce and tomatoes and fresh shaved garlic. When the garlic comes on, the green I, don't garlic. Cook, I love raw garlic. Yes. I yes. love it with olive oil. Oh yes. boy. It's well, too bad. It tastes so good on bread. <laughs> well, you know, a little bread, everything in moderation, but uh, the gar, the garlic, you're talking about the green garlic when it comes in the spring, like the first kind of that tender garlic that is so sweet and so delicious. Um, a little olive oil, a little bread. I mean, you know, maybe some tomatoes and basil when they come around and, and that's a meal, right? That's delicious. Um, I had basil this year. The leaves were so big. They look like lettuce. I know I got, I made a pesto with your basil <laughs> and my mother, my mother actually said, this is the best pesto I ever had. But of course, you know, organic basil that was grown, you know, was picked probably the day before, or if not yes. that day, good olive oil, you know, some good Parmesan Reggiano, just a few simple, but good ingredients. And you have something beautiful. Is there a chef or a farmer that, um, that you hold in high esteem or someone that you enjoy, whether it's a cookbook or anyone come to mind for you, Roxanne? Elliot Coleman. Elliot Coleman. So tell us about Elliot Coleman a little bit. Why do you like he, Elliot Coleman? Because he, he has a, a book, the new, hold on, let's see. The New Organic Grower. Okay. And he is the one where I, I have, unfortunately, I don't have a lot of time and I'm not sure. Of course. I'm not one to sit down and read a book because it puts me to sleep <laughs> and I don't have a lot of time. So I'll cheat and look through and find yeah, things. That's okay. But uh, unfortunately that's how I found that I should not have planted the cover crop that I did before uh, potatoes. So, so Elliot's, Elliot's book gave you that insight, like, Oh, I shouldn't do that. Yes, he gives, yes. And he's, he talks about all kinds of cover crops and what they're used for. Like now I know that I should use soybean as a cover crop before potatoes. Okay. And, and the different crop rotations and which crops should go before which crops to best benefit those crops. And Elliot Coleman, I'm excited to check him out. So Rex and I can talk to you all afternoon. I have a lot more questions and we'll have to have you on again, but we're going to, um, to wrap it up because um, we have just a, a, a little bit of time left. Tell people how they can find you, if you have a website, what that is, and anything that you would like to share before we uh, say ciao for now. Okay, um, you can find me online at ondafarmllc.com. I don't sell on the internet at this moment, but I sell at the Glens Falls Farmer's Market. And right now it's the only place that I sell because I am a startup farm. I hope to grow, but I don't want to get too big because I want yeah. to enjoy it. Yes. So if you do come to the Glens Falls Farmer's Market and you do find me know that all my stuff has been harvested for that market. So it is fresh. And I could adhere to that because I've eaten your produce and it's absolutely delicious. 
And I'm really grateful for what you do, Roxanne. And thank Thank you. you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You take good care. All right. Here's a bit of background for the origin of sofrito. The story goes, during colonization, the Spanish brought the technique to Latin America and the Caribbean. A lot of people don't want to give it that acknowledgement, but apparently it does come from Spain. I think of Italy, personally, when I think of a sofrito, because it's really the base to so, so many dishes uh, in Italian kitchens. And it is an aromatic mix of diced onions, carrots, and celery, I think I mentioned that, gently cooked in olive oil and butter, or just olive oil. In fact, the Italian word sofrito means slightly fried, and it describes the process of cooking these vegetables slowly, in the Italian way, until they release their flavor. And for this reason, it's used to build up a depth of flavor and fragrance. And sometimes it uh, includes other ingredients like garlic, aromatic herbs, wine, and I, you know, do it that way as well. But you can just keep that sofrito really simple um, just to make it more accessible. This is not really uh, uh, common at all for Italians, but it's often called the Holy Trinity. I like that. Also in French kitchens, they call it marapois. Same recipe, same way to cook it. You know, it's not really, sofrito isn't, is, isn't a dish in and of itself, but as I said, it really is the base for so many beautiful recipes. And I've been making it for years. And let me tell you a little secret. There is no precision or perfect rules. I know telling you that you have to peel and cube your vegetables to perfection would sound more professional, And there is a place for that precision, like Thomas Keller's Kitchen. He's one of my favorite chefs. However, that's not real life when we need to whip up a weeknight meal. So I'm going to share the technique with you because that's really important. You don't want to whack up the heat and expect great results in five minutes. This is low and slow. It really does need that low heat. And the general rule requires... Uh, onions, carrot, and celery with a ratio of 2-1-1, two parts onion and one part carrot and celery. But those rules are absolutely flexible, and I often use just an equal portion of each, and that works really uh, well at two. The onion, you know, if you, you want to pull back on the onion a little bit, if you want something a little bit sweeter, in autumn right now, carrots are a little bit sweeter, so, and the celery is really beautiful right now, which is why we're talking about sofrito. Um, So, you know, you just have to kind of play around with it. We're moving into making all those beautiful soups that cooler weather beckons us with, like a butternut squash soup. So I'm just going to talk you through briefly the recipe for butternut squash soup. So you have your sofrito you've made, you can even make that a couple of days ahead. uh, ahead. Take uh, a large butternut squash, or if you have small ones, maybe two of them. Roast them until they're tender. Brush a little olive oil, a little salt. I like to place some uh, herbs underneath the squash. I'll do sage, maybe, or thyme. It just gives it a really nice aromatic element to it as it's cooking. 
The full recipe will be on my website, laurierichidoni.com, along with many other delicious seasonal recipes that are all gluten-free. Some are vegan, um, but they're all delicious. And also on WPVMFM.org, where they have a food section under culture that offers this recipe and also a variety of really delicious seasonal gluten-free inspiration. And the show is on my podcast, A Taste for All Seasons, where you could listen anytime. And I also uh, feature a monthly article that you should check out in Sophia Magazine right here in Asheville. It's also offered digitally every month uh, if you don't live in Asheville. I trust you got a bit of kitchen inspiration today and we'll go and create something for your friends and your family. Um, I'd like to extend a sincere thank you to all the listeners. I know you guys have taken the time to listen in, and I really appreciate it. And as always, to Davine Dial of WPVM-FM in Asheville. So join me on my next show, which will be October 30th, Saturday at 11 a.m., WPVM-LP, 103.7 FM in Asheville, and my podcast as well as we continue the expedition of seasonal cooking. Mm. I'd like to leave you with a final thought, food for thought. Life is unpredictable and cooking should reflect the unknown. Don't be afraid of a failed experiment, embrace it. Be fearless in the kitchen as in life and let the seasons guide you to create delicious, healthful food. And if at first it doesn't turn out the way you would have liked it to, you can try again tomorrow. Bon appetit, though.